0: And what happens in the body is that the amino acid is not simply going protein synthesis or something else. Um, it, is, it, it has a split between, in the case methionine, some are going to go to protein synthesis, some are going to go to the methylation pathway. So that's what we are able to capture when we are using the IEO technique. The nitrogen balance is a little bit more insensitive, so we're not going to be able to capture all those fates.
1: A whole new era of communication in the pet food industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds in the global pet food industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. Welcome to the Pet Food Science Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting edge insights and all that's working in the pet food industry. Hi. Well, I want to welcome you to the Pet Food Science Podcast. This is our first episode, and I have with me our other host, Dr. Julia Pizzali. She is an assistant professor at Iowa State University, and her research and teaching is focused on pet nutrition and pet process. I'm hoping that you would tell me about your career, you know, you had talked a little bit about um, your background and and how you got interested as a as a young student there in Brazil, um, yep. in K State, and then going to to uh, your PhD program, and then and then the exciting things that you know you see happening at Iowa State. I was hoping you could say a little bit about you know what. Let let's talk anyway. For me, this amino acid requirements in pets very interesting. Lots of unknowns. Um, it's sort well, of surprising you know. the the differences that are out there, and I, I, I've looked through those papers, but I wonder if you might talk a little bit about your conclusions. So you're looking at methionine, a very important amino acid in, in the lives of, of pets and, and, and long history of, of much research, but how does your indicator method look in comparison to other methods, and, and what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, sure. I love amino acid requirements as well, and methionine in particular as an amino acid because it does so many things beyond protein synthesis. And the IAO technique or the indicator of amino acid oxidation is much more sensitive than nitrogen balance when you look at adults or mature animals, uh, because those animals that are adults or matures they are in nitrogen balance, so they're not depositing protein, not losing protein. So it's really hard to see a difference in there. Uh, when you're changing very little amino acid intake uh, and what happens as well we need to feed those diets for a longer time and the metabolism going to adapt to the nitrogen intake so we're not going to have a uh you're going to have a more accommodation of the metabolism and not going to see a true response um, so usually what, what we see in humans and even in dogs and what we saw in cats as well is when, when we apply the io technique which is much more sensitive and we can see the animals only need to eat the diet for two days, so it's very sensitive to see those changes, uh, we have a much higher requirement of those amino acids. Uh, in my trial specifically, we found that the methionine requirement was two times what is recommended by AFCO. So it was much higher than the current recommendations for adult cats. And you may be wondering, so why we don't see any deficiencies in methionine and that we over-supplement methionine so much in those diets. Uh, I, I analyzed in my PhD 30 commercial diets for their amino acid content. And there are some diets that had the methionine content six times higher than the AFCO recommendations.
1: So just give us some numbers. You you have these in the top of your mind. So what is the AFCO recommendation? And and methionine, as as many people know, and we should talk a little bit. You can feed too much methionine, which is clear of all nutritional there there's always this balance between not enough, you know, truly deficient, the sort of optimum area, and then too much to truly excess. But truly excess methionine can be a problem. Um so so tell me about how that, that is. just if you would, just a few numbers. What what's the AFCO requirement and what did you sort of say? And then what were these what were these pet foods there? 'Cause cause I I admit when I uh, when I formulated many pet foods, there was plenty of methionine. <laughs> about yeah,
0: it. Yeah. And we use methionine for some as an acidifier agent in cat diets as well. So um we are always oversupplement. So I'm going to focus on the cat here. So the AFCO requirement or recommendations because they're not requirements, right?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I spoke properly.
0: Well, 0.2% uh, for adult cats and maintenance. And the maximum is 1.5%. Mm-hmm. So the, from my study, the requirement that we derived using semi-synthetic diets, so it means it's not a physiological requirement because we have, it's not a synthetic diet of 100% uh, purified amino acids. So we add some lamb meal and uh, as some synthet- some more natural amino acid source that could mimic more uh, what we see in the pet food industry. And with that diet, the requirement was 0.4%, uh, so double that what we see in AFCO. And that's probably because methionine has so, has so many metabolic roles beyond protein synthesis and in the later study that they derived the amino acid or methionine requirement was a nitrogen balance study in adult cats so it probably did not capture all this fates that methionine has in the body so using this io technique we can uh, capture a little bit more the fates that it has beyond protein synthesis and that's probably uh, why it's uh, much higher what is impressive that it's doubled and we have some li- limitations in this study mostly with sample size as well what is in agreement with other studies with dogs and humans that when we apply this technique, the requirement is uh, higher than what is
1: proposed. So does it? Do you think it captures more? Like you, you get a higher requirement in a response variable if you say what's a maximum immune response versus what's maximum for what I've always used is sort of like nitrogen retention. If if I mm-hmm. feed a pet that's going for six months and it's accreting nitrogen, I think. I've got enough protein. But that still may be less than the amino yeah. acid requirement for maximum immune response. So do you feel like your technique perhaps better captures that whole body uh, requirement, if you will? Or What do you think? Yeah, of course.
0: Um, so requirement is also very tricky because... You can choose the biological response you want to measure. So you yeah. can choose the requirement for protein synthesis when the nitrogen balance, or requirement for uh, immune response, or requirement for... You can pick your variable to determine the requirement for that specific one. For IAO, what we measure is the oxidation of our indicator. So it means um, the most... When the amino acid is limiting, which is methionine, they all are going to be oxidized, not going to go to protein synthesis and this oxidation is gonna decrease until we meet the requirement with no further changes. Uh, and what happens in the body is that the amino acid is not simply going protein synthesis or something else. Um, it, is, it, it has a split between, in the case of methionine, some are gonna to go to protein synthesis, some are gonna to go to the trans methylation pathway. So that's what we are able to capture when we are using the IEO technique the nitrogen balance is a little bit more insensitive, so we're not going to be able to capture all those fates. But also for methionine, it's tricky because s methionine is a major methyl donor, so it's going to change DNA expression and everything. So I think it would be beneficial to do a longer trial as well with this methionine, different methionine concentrations to see the longer-term impact of these changes in DNA and everything else.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think a fascinating opportunity uh, for yeah. not just assigning but for many amino acids. Is your technique uh, likely to be extended easily to, say, we want to know lysine, tryptophan, pheny, yeah. you know, the, the the ones we all sort of think about, like these are amino acids where where you're probably paying a, a cost to deliver them to a pet, uh, would, would, yeah, it, of would course. it be all of those as well?
0: Yeah, of course, we can apply this technique for any limiting or uh, essential amino acid that we want to, or indispensable amino acid that we want to look at. We just make sure to formulate the diet, having that one as the limiting amino acid. And then we just think graded levels of that amino acid. That's, that's what uh, Dr. Schwabler, she has done over the years with dogs. So she has a lot of the amino acid requirement data using this technique in dogs. And I think she's going to continue to investigate uh, with cats as well. And apply with other amino acids. Uh, what is tricky as well is producing those diets for those studies. The cats do not like to eat semi synthetic diets, and and as I mentioned, we use the lamb meal as a, one of the protein sources to mimic more what's in the pet food industry. But also, we don't know how much of the methionine there is available. It's not oxidized. So, what is the true requirement or physiological requirement? Uh, we don't know. It's just is in between the physiological requirement and what is proposed by or so kind of in between, is not a recommended allowance, not a minimal requirement, is a new category. I, would say.
1: I was on that committee that made those recommendations, and we sort of took the NRC, and and the reality is we we yeah, as you'll notice we we put a higher protein requirement or you know optimum yeah. or whatever recommended than than the NRC, but the amino acids not so much. So I. I think in retrospect, we could have perhaps come in and, and done a, a, a graded up, you know, because it's semi-purified, going going to the more uh, more normal diets, uh, but we sort of covered it, like you said, with, with this protein requirement. It gets very, very hard to meet that protein requirement with normal uh, pet food ingredients and, and be low in methionine, in that, you know, NRC level low. Now, optimum, that's a different question, and that's the one you were talking yeah. about. Optimum for what uh, might be? Exactly. We, we, we aren't going to set, I don't think, recommendations uh, associated with, with our view of optimum, but frequently our view of optimum is over minimum, right? So
0: Exactly. Yeah. There you go. And we have, we still have a lot of work to do on the impact of processing on amino acid, uh, yeah, availability and it's very tricky as well. It's not easy as people think it is, and uh, for sure the recommendations uh, we need to try to address protein quality as well, the ratio of amino acids that we do people do so well in swine, but it's so tricky to do with dogs and cats because they're different processing techniques. So you kind of have to account for everything. But I think in the future we're going to be looking more into not only meeting those requirements but the ideal ratio of amino acids to support health as well. Yes,
1: we. The you know the the people have done so much in monogastric nutrition where those amino acids push the the minimums and, and they're 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 sliding right up to them where the pet nutrition you know we often have a a great uh, capacity to to put a little more money into the into the nutritional product and, and therefore uh, try and move towards that optimum rather than the minimum and and processing's got to be a part of that so I, I yeah. sure agree i wonder if if we could look back if if i could uh, look back a little bit on on the career i've had and just talk about things that's changed yeah of course one of the things that that's just so fascinating to me is like this this window that you have opened up and that you've looked through to Uh, evaluate this very basic question of pet nutrition. How much amino acid should we give? As we know, amino acids make up proteins, and proteins are what we sort of all follow in the marketplace. But the real pet's need is for that amino acid. And it's just an example of, I sort of look at biological life as this beautiful mansion, you know, and yet there's so many windows that are closed. You walk up to them, you can't see them. But like this technique you Observe suddenly that window's open and you can say, "Look inside. Look at what we see. This is new. This is interesting." And in, in my space, I, I like to use Watson and Crick's DNA analysis as an anchor. I was a lot closer to their their uh, uh, foundation work when I was under you know first thinking about biological life, and so much has happened since then, and and much of it is based on the new. Information we could get suddenly, you know, we, we can do amino acids in in ways we we had so much trouble doing before. We can do metabolomics, so suddenly we get this this just tremendous milieu of 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 responses that you think this window is just so much deeper and so much more complex uh, that what we can see there. Um, we can we 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 start looking at. You know, it's it's not. You know, when we were at, at Hills Pet Nutrition, we we did the uh, genomic DNA of every every pet in the in the research facility, and we think, you know, one time, you know, just getting that that DNA would have been so so difficult, and so all these windows open up, and they really they really allow advances into optimum nutrition. We, you know, we, we were back sort of in the day again, you know, we met the minimum requirements pretty well and we knew how to do it and we knew what they were, but getting to that best place, that's been, that's been a wildly interesting and long path. And it's, you know, it's, it's a continuous, uh, continuous progress in the same direction, if you will, but not necessarily, but necessarily without some bumps um, because (laughs) you can run the long way and, and be wrong. Um, uh yeah I went and to,
0: uh, we, we progress a lot when we progress a lot when you partner with people from other areas as well and i'll ah, give this yes. to, uh uh and i she brought the iao from her study from her phd which she did with swine nutrition so maybe if she never transitioned to pet nutrition maybe you'll never have the this technique you know and look into those amino acids so i think having people from different areas uh that we can get ideas of. i think People think that ideas just pop up in your head. No, it comes from reading. It comes from discussing, talking with people. And I think the more we partner, we get off our own bubble, you know, and talk with other nutritionists from other areas, do we get new ideas that we can translate and introduce to the pet food industry as well. So I think this technique is uh, is great. That Thank God you moved to the pet food industry, I guess, <laughs> and brought this technique to us. And I hope we can keep using it. And I hope we get also more support from the industry tune choose the technique. It's expensive, uh, is not cheap, it's not easy to do, but I think with support from the industry and more funding from the industry, we're gonna uh be able to get more or more, more precise recommendations for the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well best of luck on that. I do I there's a there's always that tension about how do we how do we bring that value back out to the to the person yeah. actually feeding and, and and watching their pet. Um I guess if I could, if I could say a, a little also about the career and the things that that have happened. You know, when we 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 sort of started, there was this this real desire to look at the gut uh, influence and in the microbiota. My first my first paper looking at sort of bypassed uh, bypassed you know small intestine a lot of the absorption and, and digestion done and then going through to the large intestine, then you get a lot of the microbial interaction. And in 1978, I was an author of a paper with with some uh, very excellent uh, (laughs) scientists uh, looking at that bypass nutrient uh, and availability for the lower gut. And we had no idea what was going on as far as the microbial uh, changes that were happening. We could see the physiological changes. And now we can go in and measure you know, what are those microbes what are they what are they producing and and how does their their uh, sort of microbial community change it's a fantastic difference in the biological understanding of life uh, we we originally thought of the the GI tract, and you've talked about processing, how that influences nutrition. We thought about the GI tract as just kind of a tube through the body. You know, maybe we're just so terribly wrong, but um, that tube through the body was, was, was then delivering things that we were interested in. And now we look at it and say, there's a lot of biology that's happening uh, in that uh, gut area, and processing is a fantastic part of it. What we feed may be actually influencing those microbes as much as indirectly then through the microbes that affect being as much as the direct uh, digestion and absorption. So that has changed a lot. Applications, you know, as we've changed Mm -hmm. these abilities to look, you know, we looked at uh, antioxidants and oxidative changes. Um, and saw some tremendous uh, influences on immune response. We we've never published, and I suppose that's faded over the horizon. But actually, we had had an antioxidant and microbial uh, supplemented food that where the pets lived longer um, when they were well, when they were at that food, which is, is kind of like a, a a outcome that you always sort of wish to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the fatty acid work. You know, we saw pets that would rise from rest that would play longer that would lead to a, a life where they needed less uh, control of pain and so medicine uh, requirements would be reduced. Um, you know we've we seen immune response enhancement uh, so lots of indicators of health uh, certainly value to the pet owner and to the pet uh, to the pet itself so. It's, it's been a, a good space to to change the lives of of uh, pets and, and I believe you know through that there's a benefit both to the pet and the pet owner. Uh, sometimes we say pet parent that's that's okay. They know a <laughs> yeah. biological child and their their pet but but it describes that close relationship.
0: They're able to see all those changes and see the impact of a new diet or a new supplement or everything. In our career, what do you think was a moment when you realized, "Whoa, we really changed, we are really making an impact, or you know, we are really changing the technology? I don't know if you have one moment or when you realized the huge impact you we were making on pet's life.
1: Oh, I, can I say two rather than one? Of course, yeah. One moment, one time I, I was an author of a paper where we had pets losing weight and people losing weight and pets and people losing weight together. And sort of a you know it was it was a pet pet interaction kind of thing, but I was evaluating the the responses, and this this wasn't a, maybe a, a well tuned response. But I asked, "What is your quality of life?" to the pet owner, and and gave them a scale to answer. And then in another part of the of the responses, I asked, "Well, what's your pet quality of life?" And as I sat at my computer, I thought, "Well, what's the correlation?" <laughs> and the correlation was like R-squared a .7. Um, wow. and, and I actually got out, of, got out of my office and had to walk around because I thought, look, at, again, this is perspective. You know, this is the individual saying. But they, their perspective was, you know, how I am doing is how my pet's doing. And, and, and it's a correlation. Conversely, how my pet's doing is how I'm doing. And I thought, Wow that really speaks to what we can do as pet nutritionists as pet as pet professionals if you will to enhance the quality of life of pets and, and of of the people around them so that was that was a, an epiphany moment another one that I like to say is you know we started in fatty acid metabolism and we were solely interested because it occurred to many of us and certainly wildly important to me that you know even though the pet has the chance to elongate and desaturate and 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 uh, break down and, and create fatty acids. the food still influences a tremendous uh, amount of outcomes. And so we're looking at fatty acids and ratios of fatty acids as you were talking about with amino acids and their importance
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and, and looking at how you know these N3 fatty acids, uh, can influence biological life as, as N6 and N9s do as well. And, and, and now we're looking at medium chain fatty acids. So yes, they, they're all biologically active. But but we were looking at uh, what we sort of everyone knew that these are sort of less inflammatory fatty acids and you could have a benefit during, during life if you sort of reduce that inflammation through changing fatty acids. But we, we had a technique where we were looking at the breakdown of cartilage um, as influenced by fatty acids. And and that a little moment or a significant moment for us is that, oh no, this isn't an anti-inflammatory. This is a direct response and and specific fatty acids, realistically EPA in the dog and and probably yeah. DHA in the cat, that that reduced the uh, breakdown of cartilage, uh, independent of inflammation, and so then suddenly you thought, "Well, that will make a difference." You know that we can really, really influence the lives of pet by by, uh, and, and it it's uh, it's pet you know it's species specific. So so that was gave us an opportunity to really apply that nutrition very focused uh, to the to the pet in need. So those are the ones.
0: No, those are great stories. And I think as scientists, when we we get the feeling that we are changing, we are making impact is what keeps us going and what's very motivating. And at least yeah, for
1: me. Our focus can be a little too tight sometimes, perhaps, <laughs> yeah. and things fall away to the side. But that's part of being a research scientist. And my wife has something to say about that, I think. Um, You know, I wonder if we could just look, won't it be fun? You know, if we could just say, we get to have these conversations. I hope we have ours together again, as, as we get to, to talk about research, that maybe you're going on, maybe a deeper dive in some other things. We we didn't talk about tarring, um, which we could. Um, yeah. and, and and I think that's, you know, there's a number of fantastic opportunities between two of us, but we get the chance to talk to experts in the field and ask them these questions, right? Ask them about the nutrition that fires them up, that keeps them uh, motivated and, and where they see differences in the lives of pets. So I think this is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be very exciting. Just with connect with people and hear from experts and share this knowledge with everyone else just by yes. click of a button and they can have a podcast or YouTube or whatever technology they prefer. Would be really interesting. And I'm very glad to share this host uh, role with you as well, which is yeah. such a person that I admire. He made a, such a huge impact in the pet food industry. So uh, I'm really glad to to have you on board with me on this. <laughs>
1: Very, kind. Very kind. And and I would say, of course, that remind us of the teams that that impact was always done with other people. Yeah. So, shall, shall we call the day for this? And thank you. And I look forward to talking with you uh, soon. Uh, in, yeah, sure. Our... Okay. And
0: thank you, everyone for listening. And I hope you join us in the next episodes for the Techwood Science Podcast. And uh, see you soon in the next episode yes. see you Dennis.
1: bye for now